lot of them come up with all these ideas. Let's do the foreclosure sale. Let's do this. And look, all those can be fun and lucrative, but they are still speculative. The best thing you can do with your capital is to invest it and not use it for speculation. Real quick, before the episode, I want to give you a gift of 25% off. And that gift actually is from TransUnion Smart Move. Go to tenantscreening.com, create a free account, enter the code FAIRLESS at checkout for 25% off your next screening. Because as landlords, we tend to be most concerned with getting paid on time. You might also know that hundreds of thousands of landlords have to deal with the headaches of evicting tenants each year. Evicting a tenant can be painful, costing as much as $10,000 in court costs and legal fees, and take as long as four weeks to complete. What if there's a trusted way to help prevent the headaches of dealing with evicting a tenant? Make the smart move right from the start. Smart Move's online tenant screening solution can help you quickly understand if you're getting a reliable tenant which will help you avoid potential problems such as non-payment and evictions. For a limited time, listeners of this podcast are invited to try SmartMove tenant screening for 25% off. Here's how SmartMove can help you find your next great tenant. Make a more informed decision with SmartMove's proprietary credit score built specifically for tenant screening, which predicts evictions 15% better than a typical credit score. Reduce non-payment risk with SmartMove's Income Insights Report, which enables you to analyze the applicant's income within minutes and determine if additional income verification is needed. Get critical information quickly with a full credit report, criminal background, and eviction history report. With over 5 million screenings completed, SmartMove can help you make a better leasing decision for your rental property. If you own a rental property, SmartMove can help you identify the right renter from the start so you can avoid the problems of non-payment or evictions. Don't put yourself at risk. Go to tenantscreening.com, create a free account, enter the code FAIRLESS at checkout for 25% off your next screening. With TransUnion Smart Move, you'll get great reports, great convenience, great tenants. Best ever listeners, today's guest is being interviewed by Theo Hicks. You know Theo, he's with us every Friday on Follow Along Friday. You're going to get a lot of value from this conversation. So with that being said, let's get going. Hi, best ever listeners. Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Theo Hicks, and I will be the host today. And today, I will be speaking with Ryan Inc. How are you doing today, Ryan? Doing great. Glad to be on the show, Theo. Thank you. Yep, I'm glad to have you on. I'm looking forward to our conversation. A little bit about Ryan. He is the founder of Columbia Real Estate Investment Club, the author of Rolling Real Estate Investment Formula, and the owner of an RV rental fleet. He has built a few indoor sports arenas. I'm looking forward to talking about that. He's based in Covington, Louisiana, and you can say hi to him at cashflowdadlife.com, and we'll have that website in the show notes of this episode. Before we get started, Ryan, do you mind telling us a little bit more about your background and what you are focused on now? Yeah, you know, the main thing that I'm focused on right now is helping people achieve passive income specifically through real estate investing and enough passive income to replace their working income. And the reason that I've got a heart for that is because I've got five kids. I've got five boys. I don't know how to make girls, but I'm not a quitter. So we'll see what happens there. <laughs> but when I was going through corporate America and had a corporate job selling copiers, I don't know if you've ever seen that movie office space where they take the copier to the backfield and beat it <laughs> yeah. with a baseball bat. But that was how people felt about me when I walked in the door unsolicited, you know, to, to sell them a copier. I was really at this crossroads because I was having all these kids. 
and I just got chewed out by this Catholic monk who I sold a copy or two. And I was like, man, I'm in a really bad place right now. And I asked myself a critical question that I think everybody should ask themselves. And that's what would you do if money didn't matter? Because if money didn't matter, I would be more present for my wife and my family and my kids. I'd be able to serve my community better. And I just chased that rabbit all the way down the hole. And the vehicle I used to achieve that was real estate investing. So that's what I help people with now. That sounds like a great business model. And I'm sure people really appreciate you helping them out with that. So when you're helping people achieve their passive income, is it more you're helping them set up their own real estate business or are they investing in some of the deals that you do or is it a combination of those two things? Yeah, it's a combination of those two. A lot of real estate mentors sometimes pigeonhole you into one strategy or another. And there's, as you know, just tons of strategies out there. So what we like to do is we like to reverse engineer the situation because some people might not have money, but they have a big network or they have a lot of money, but they don't really want to spend a whole lot of time going out and finding deals. So we focus on creating single family portfolios and multifamily portfolios as as the main two strategies. But that being said, some people have no money and no network, in which case sometimes we'll say, well, let's get started with wholesaling. So we really kind of figure out where people are with their current capital situation, their current time constraints, their current network, and then we recommend a strategy and educate them from there. Okay, that's great. And that's that's how you got to do it. You don't want to just present one strategy and say, this is exactly how I have to do it. Because as you mentioned, it's based off of where they're at right now and everyone's situation is different. So that's a great strategy. As we said in, in your background, you've built a few indoor sports arenas. I've personally never met anyone who's done that before. So do you mind kind of telling us a story about that, how you determined that that's what you wanted to do and then maybe give us, kind of walk us through the, the numbers on one of those deals? Yeah. So as part of the story I was giving you earlier, I asked myself, what would I do if money didn't matter? I was actually driving across the bridge from New Orleans. It's the longest bridge in the world across Lake Pontchartrain. And I just prayed for a little bit. I asked God to help me because I was miserable. I was waking up every day with anxiety with what I had to do for work. So it popped in my head, well, what would I do if money didn't matter? And I've always loved playing soccer and football. And I was previously a teacher before Hurricane Katrina hit. Uh, The school I was at was six feet underwater. So I was like, you know what? I'd like to do something where people are happy when I walk in the door. They want to know me. And something that people look forward to every week, like people look forward to their games every week. It makes a positive impact on the community. And I also play guitar too. So I was like, there's three things. I would either mentor people, help people. I'd open up an indoor sports arena where people can come and play sports, have birthday parties, whatever it is. Or I would play music (laughs) if money didn't matter. So I called my wife and we had never had this discussion before. And I said, obviously, you see me coming home unhappy and miserable and not not totally present to you and the kids. What could you see me doing if money didn't matter? She said, I don't know, maybe opening up an indoor sports arena, playing music or mentoring people. So I was like, all right, that's my golden ticket to remind her that it's her idea (laughs) as I try to pursue this. And at the time, I didn't have anything in my bank account, really, but overdraft fees. So For anybody looking to get started, most people think that that's a huge brick wall. But there was a saying that I heard, I think it was Tony Robbins, that said, most people's problem isn't the lack of resources, it's a lack of resourcefulness. So I just decided whatever brick wall I was going to come across, whatever I didn't have, I would go look to find who had that. So I began, I created a business plan, started looking for money, looking for capital, met with investors, met with banks. 
uh, got a consultant. One thing just led to another until we got our first deal. I think we built it for $1.7 million. We structured like 11 investors in order to build that arena. So it's 1.7 million for the actual building. And then it was like another 380,000 just for the furniture, fixtures and equipment, like the indoor turf and whatnot. So that was just an experience. All I brought to the table at that time was sweat equity. And it turned out to be a pretty good deal. I don't know if that answers your question, but you're looking at a little bit about how that was structured. I basically got investors to help me build it. At, at this point, had you done anything like that before? No, <laughs> that was actually, that was actually a huge problem because when I first started, I was like, all right, I know that I got to get a consultant. And a lot of people, when they first start something and you can apply this to multifamily apartments, to anything that you're starting for the first time. A lot of times the question that you're going to get is, well, what's your experience with this? Have you done this before? And the biggest advice that you can give is it's not like going to a job interview where you have to present your own resume. I think too many people are trained in that mentality, like this is just my job resume. When you're pursuing something and investing or business, whether it's an indoor sports arena or a multifamily apartment, you basically can give everybody else's resume as part of the team. So you start creating a team around you. And that's what I had to do was basically look to leverage other people's experience, other people's money, other people's experience in order to prove myself to investors and to bankers. And how did you find these team members? Because this is is a very specific and unique niche, indoor sports arenas. So obviously when you're talking talking to investors for multifamily, it's not easy, but it's not super difficult to find the multifamily consultant. How did you find an indoor sports arena consultant and the rest of your entire team? The biggest thing I can say is I kept on saying if the door closed, I was like, well, what's another door? So with consultants, I just did a Google search. I found this one guy, called him. He wasn't interested. Then I found this website, usindoor.com. They had a bunch of consultants listed. I called them all, interviewed them all. It was going to cost $15,000 for the consultation. Obviously, I didn't have that. So I took a second mortgage on my house in order to pay for some of it. And then I offered the guy equity uh, in the arena if we were to get it off the ground. And that way, I could say to bankers and whatnot, not just this is my consultant, but this is my business partner. And that gave them more confidence in moving forward with it. And then as far as finding the other partners, I went around, I had this airtight business plan that my consultant had drafted. It was like this 40 page thing. It was very, very, very good. And I got so excited about meeting with investors once I had that business plan, because it really made me look like I knew what I was doing. But then everybody started telling me no. So I was like, I got to have some sort of experience here because everybody's looking at me like, well, you were a teacher and a copier salesman. I have no confidence that you know how to run an indoor sports arena. And to be honest, I would probably say the same thing too. So I started a daytime business for the arena called Soccer Tots. And basically, it's just like this small franchise. I don't think it's around now. And I've since sold it. But it's this child sports development franchise. You can rent out a gym, like a basketball gym, a local rec center, or even a church gym, and pay them a percentage of uh, your revenue and just basically train (laughs) two-year-olds and four-year-olds how to play soccer. So as soon as I had that, I was, all right, I now have the daytime business for an indoor sports arena. That changed the conversation and I ended up connecting with 
this one guy connected me to another guy and they pulled together some investors and this other guy knew another guy and it just snowballed once I had a couple of those pieces in place. Yeah, that's a great story. Um, you, you kind of explained how you, you know, went from not necessarily having any experience whatsoever. It was kind of just a, a dream of yours based off of that money question. What would you do if money didn't matter? And then you kind of just hustled your way to, to get it done. And every time, as you mentioned, you face one of those brick walls, you just figured out a way to overcome that. So that's, that's great yeah. advice. And as you mentioned, all of these strategies you're discussing can be applied to any strategy. And if I'm being honest, it's probably going to be easier if you're doing this for multifamily as opposed to doing it for a sports arena. That's, that's awesome. <laughs> way, way easier. <laughs> yeah, seriously. So what types of returns are you getting on that deal? You kind of mentioned how much money you invested. What's the return factor that you use with this cash on cash return or whatever? And how are you making money on this sports arena? Yeah, the sports arena is mostly the business. And actually, at first, we got investors in just the business and not necessarily the real estate investor was separate. And three years into it, we're like, wow, this is incredibly stupid. I wish we would have thought of this before to actually own the real estate instead of just the business, because we've got an exit strategy with the real estate, with the business, you either sell it and what is the market for that. So three years later, we ended up negotiating with the landlord to please help us out and sell us the building. He sold us the building for $2 million. So built it for 1.7, three years later, he basically made a hundred grand a year, sold it for 2 million. And then we started, we didn't make any returns the first three years. In fact, we lost money. As soon as we started owning it, we were looking at closer to 20 to 30% returns. So how did those conversations go with your investors when you didn't make any money those first three years? It wasn't fun, but we did have business projections. When you're starting a new business like that, not a whole lot of people make money their first three years in business. I think they say that your first three to five years, you actually lose money. So we actually projected losing money in our business plan. That being said, everybody presenting that business plan, a lot of investors are like, yeah, 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 you know, I understand you being conservative, but then they kind of expect that you make money. <laughs> so the first year, all the silent investors were silent. By the third year, all the silent investors were not silent anymore. They were constantly, what are we doing here on this management? So that part was not fun. But as soon as we owned the real estate, it changed things around. And then on that second deal, did you kind of apply all those lessons and did you actually own the real estate from the get-go? Well, the second deal was a little bit of a different situation where we didn't have to own the real estate. We kind of took over a foreclosed business on the other side of the lake. It was a foreclosed sports arena because the guy who was a doctor bought it, didn't manage it himself. The people he thought was going to manage it kind of ran into the ground. So we ended up being able to get the actual business, I mean, you're looking 380 to 500,000 just to start the business with the assets. We got the assets for free and we took over a lease that was half the cost of our lease on the North Shore building. Ideally, we would have liked to own the property, but because the cost to lease it was so little and we could get the assets for free, it was a little different of a situation. Okay. And kind of transitioning to the other business model, which is the RV rental fleet. Do you mind telling us a little bit about that business plan? Sure. I call it rolling real estate. It's basically Airbnb, but for RVs. Once I had done enough with real estate and the indoor sports arena was more of a passion investment. It, it is an exciting story and I put a lot into it, but I had most of my success developing single family and multifamily portfolios in real estate. 
And that really gave me the comfort and the passive income to do all these other things. So once I had gotten to a certain point, I told my wife that I wanted to buy a boat, like a little cabin cruiser or something. And she was like, no, I've always wanted to do an RV trip. So from that standpoint, obviously we had to get the RV because happy wife, happy life, right? <laughs> so I didn't want to just have a liability. I wanted to see kind of taking the page from rich dad, poor dad, instead of saying, I can't afford it. How can I afford it? I could afford it. But at the time I was like, how can I make this into an asset, something that cash flows instead of something that I'm just wasting $600 a month on a payment? So I looked into it and there's a couple platforms out there, RV Share and Outdoorsy are, are two of them. But basically like the Airbnb or the VRBO of the internet world, it looked like there was some demand for privately owned RV rentals. So I went ahead and got a class A RV, traveled all over the country with my family for a couple of weeks, and then listed it on these platforms just to see, all right, let me see if I can get enough rental income to cushion my payments. Well, I ended up making $32,000 in profit in that first year. So that's when I was like, okay, this could be a really great business model, kind of a real estate play, but it's rolling real estate. It's the same thing as a house, but on wheels. And you can take advantage of the trends in the short-term rental industry. So I ended up getting three other in the fleet, but using other people's money and other people's RVs instead of putting my own capital towards it, ended up being a neat little business. It's interesting. So you bought your first RV and then once you had the proof of concept and saw that you were able to generate profit, you would reach out to other people who already had their RVs and then rent their RVs out too and kind of share in the profits? Yeah, basically said, hey, look, this RV is doing nothing but costing you in storage fees, or your monthly rent. We've got an airtight operation and we basically outsourced and created a small little management company that was part-time. And we're like, we got a pretty good operation. So if you want to share in this trend and some of the rental revenues, then why don't you go ahead and put it in our fleet and we'll cover you on the insurance and you can make money on this instead of lose money on it when you're not using it. Wow. Very interesting. All right, Ryan, what is your best real estate investing advice ever? I would say if I had to go back in time and slap myself around, the first thing that I would tell myself is that there's a difference between speculating and investing. Speculating is kind of like you're flipping houses type thing where you're going in and you think you might be able to get this, but you're susceptible for market crashes. You don't know if you can get a tenant in there. You might research the demand and see that there's a demand for rentals in the area, but you're not sure. You're not sure if you could sell it. You think based on days on market, you can't. That's speculative. And there's a way to do it in a low risk way, but at the same time, there's better investments out there such as apartments and multifamily where you know without doing any value add or any improvements on day one, you know what you're going to make when you go in there and rent something because you see the T12, you see the P&L statement. So on day one, you're getting the money that the property has been able to generate for the past 20 or 30 years. So that would be my biggest and that is the biggest advice that I give people when they want to first get started investing. A lot of them come up with all these ideas. Let's do the foreclosure sale. Let's do this. And look, all those can be fun and lucrative, but they are still speculative. The best thing you can do with your capital is to invest it and not use it for speculation. That's all advice. Are you ready for the S ever lightning round? 
Yeah, let's do it. All right, first, a quick word from our sponsor. If you own a rental property, TransUnion Smart Move can help you identify the right renter from the start so you can avoid the problems of non-payment or evictions. Don't put yourself at risk. Go to tenantscreening.com, create a free account, enter the code FAIRLESS at checkout for 25% off your next screening. With TransUnion Smart Move, you'll get great reports, great convenience, great tenants. What if you could earn 10000 per month net cash flow for life? Now you can at the Residential Assisted Living Academy. Gene Guarino teaches you how to take a single-family house and turn it into a cash flow machine. Visit ralacademy.com to learn more. All right, Ryan, what is the best ever book you've recently read? Recently read? Ooh. It can be within the past few years, what it to be. Recent subjective. Uh, I'd say my best ever book, not recently read, read like uh, 10 or 15 years ago, was Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki. If your business were to collapse today, and I guess... In this case, businesses were to collapse today. What would you do next? I would syndicate multifamily apartments. How would you start over today if you had little or no capital? Literal, no capital. All right. Well, I always say the biggest domino is to find the deals. So if you could perfect that skill to finding deals, I would go find deals anywhere in real estate. And then once you do that with little to no capital, the money tends to follow. Now there's strategies to find the money, but I would focus on getting out there and finding any real estate deal and then getting started. What is the worst deal that you've done? Ooh, I can tell you exactly what it is. I started playing around with different strategies and I heard that co-working was like a up and coming trend, like we work and whatnot. So I decided to buy this million dollar building in the downtown area where I live, which is on a very nice street. And the downstairs wasn't occupied, totally speculative (laughs) again. And I planned on getting the same kind of rent that you could get for a co-working facility. Well, the little town with a big ego and I had the big ego and uh, nobody else really understood the concept. And it had like a few people that understood it, but most people were interested in just regular office space. And I ended up hemorrhaging about 3000 to $4,000 a month on just that one real estate deal. So that's where the earlier advice comes in on know the difference between investing and speculating. And then lastly, what is the best ever place to reach you? Best ever place to reach me? Probably on Facebook. Well, Ryan, this has been a very fascinating conversation. You have a very interesting journey. Also very inspiring because of all the obstacles you overcame. Just to summarize what we talked about today... You kind of talked about right now you're focused on helping people achieve passive income in order to replace their full-time income, their full-time jobs. And the way that you do that is you don't just have a one-size-fits-all formula. You reverse engineer a specific strategy based off of this person's specific current situation. And then we dove deep into your uh, indoor sports arena and you kind of discussed the most important question you asked yourself was, what would you do if money didn't matter? And you decided on investing in this indoor sports arena. We talked about some of the numbers and how much money you paid for the deal and the investors. But but more specifically, you talked about how you were able to complete the deal without having any experience in that indoor sports arena. And this advice can apply to really any real estate or business niche in general. And that is to find someone who has done it before and leverage that person experience when you are going out to raise capital. So specifically, you talked about how you found your consultant through a Google search and just reached out to a bunch of people until someone was interested. 
and you actually had to take a second mortgage out on your house as well as offer equity to the consultant in order to have them come on board. And then you talked about once you had that business plan, you still weren't able to get investors. They still wanted to see some sort of experience from you. So you actually went and started a business just to gain that experience in order to raise that capital. We also talked about how in business, expect to not necessarily make money those those first few years. But for this course arena, once you actually bought the building, you were able to achieve 20 to 30% returns. And then we also quickly talked about the story behind your RV rental fleet and how you wanted to buy a boat, your wife wanted the RV, and you didn't want a liability, so you decided to check out a way to make money off of that, and you ended up making about $32,000 a year by renting out the RV to other people in kind of like an Airbnb form and ended up turning that into a business. And then lastly, you provided your best ever advice, which is to know the difference between speculating and investing, and that it's great to have all these ideas of what you can do with the property and it's fun and it could work out. But at the end of the day, the best course of action is to invest in deals that you will know what you're going to be making from day one. So again, very fascinating conversation. I learned a ton. I appreciate you coming on the show and speaking with us today. Thank you to everyone who listened to the episode. Ryan, have a best ever day and we will talk to you soon. Thank you. And is it okay with you if I offer your audience my book? Yeah, absolutely. So you asked a question earlier about what would you do if you had to start from scratch? I actually wrote a book called The Seven-Day Real Estate Survival Blueprint, How to Create 10,000 Out of Nothing in Less Than a Month. Uh, And it deals with wholesaling and sandwich lease options. And it's basically a hour-by-hour play-by-play of what I would do in seven days to make sure I had a check at the end of the month. So if your audience is interested in picking up that book, it's got nothing but five-star ratings on Amazon. We've been selling these books like crazy. A lot of people are getting a ton of value out of them. You can get it for free if you just cover the shipping charge at cashflowdadlife.com slash the number seven. All right, cashflowdadlife.com slash seven. We'll, we'll make sure again that the website will be in the show notes. Perfect. All right, thanks for coming on, Ryan. We will talk to you soon. Thank you. What if you could earn 10000 per month net cash flow for life? Now you can at the Residential Assisted Living Academy. Gene Guarino teaches you how to take a single family house and turn it into a cash flow machine. Visit ralacademy.com to learn more.